0: Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message.
1: Lord, everyone. All right. Thank you so much for that. Um, those kind words and that they're echoed. We were very blessed earlier this year to have your pastor and his family with us down in Columbia Heights, where we pastor. And uh, just to give you a little background for myself. We we've been pastoring there for about seven years now. And we Stephanie and I, my wife and I, met in beautiful Bemidji, and the Lord called us out of the great north which is god's country i am a firm believer um and and called us into the city where we stick out like a sore thumb but that's all right um we're not trying to blend in anyway so god's so good and and i'm very very grateful to be here this morning um for this invitation thank you for the invitation so, amen. We're very, we're very blessed. I'm just going to go right into preaching today because I don't know what else to do. Um, so I'm just going to ask that you would um, just preach with me and enjoy. I think the Lord has given me a very, I think, a very clear word and direction here this morning. One of the beautiful things is, um, as, as you're turning your Bibles to book of Genesis, chapter 26, one of the great things is, um, with your pastor in ministry, he's a great friend, and we talk about a lot of church things about strategies and growth and and just functional things as far as building things and this and that. One of the things I really appreciate about your pastor is that he doesn't talk about people issues. He doesn't say, well, these are things we're having with this. As far as I would know, I wouldn't know that there are any people issues. And so I say that uh, intentionally to say that if there's anything that I say this morning that is resonating with you, I want to promise you that I have not heard it from your pastor he has not hired, he's not like, I'm not like a hired gun here today to start sniping and saying, and here's another thing, you know, <laughs> like, like, but it is something I feel like the Lord has given us this morning, given me this morning to share with you. And I want to be able to um, deliver this adequately here today. Um, and so we'll look in Genesis chapter number 26. It is a window into the life of uh, Isaac, which we don't hear very much about him in scripture. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But in Genesis chapter 26, in verse number one, it reads this. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. It reads this. It says, There was a famine in the land besides or different from the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Gerar, that word means a lodging place. It's not a permanent settlement that you're intended to stay at. It's just a place where you lodge in passing. And so the Lord appeared to him and said, because of this famine, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Because that's what Abraham did. Abraham, when, when, he had, when there was a famine during his time, Isaac's father Abraham was told to go to Egypt. The Lord says to him this time, don't go to Egypt, but live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you for you. To you and your descendants, I will give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Jumping down to verse number 12. It says this, and this is where I really want to, this last chunk of scripture here, I want to really settle in on some things. It says, then Isaac sowed, or he planted seed in that land, during a famine, by the way. And reaped in the same year of famine, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Verse 13 is a fun verse. It says, the man began to prosper. And continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That's a lot of prosperity. (laughs) And for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines, whom he had at one point been fine with, they envied him. And the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent toward the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up until the death of Abraham, or after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. He basically did the things that his father had done. He he wanted to redo those things. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of that well Essek, because they quarreled with him. then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also, so he called its name Essek 2.0. No, no, he <laughs> called, that, he called that the name of that well Sitna, which means enmity. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. And for just a little while, I just want to preach to you under a subject that I title, Settle Without Compromise. You can settle in the land, but you don't have to make compromise. Can we just pray this morning and ask the Lord to be with us uh, again in a deeper level (laughs) through the ministry of his word. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your your presence here in this place, which we can feel so beautifully here today. Thank you, Lord, for the liberty that you provide. Oh, Lord, that chains in lives are broken today. Lord God, lives are set free. Lord, I believe, Lord, according to your word, that restoration is taking place. I thank you, Lord, for that presence that we feel in this place. Lord, I pray over your word and the ministry of your word here today. Lord, your word is already pure and perfect, but I pray that the ministry of the word would come forth, Lord, in a good and proper way, and that it would align, Lord, with what you are doing in this church and in these in this people here today, Lord, that you would help me as, Lord, a simple minister of this gospel, that you would anoint me to deliver your word, that it would be all flame and no smoke, Lord Jesus, only your word today, and that we would receive it, and that in receiving it, Lord, we would act on what you're giving us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe want to prepare us for something a little bit this morning as well. And that is this, that af- typically after, um, after preaching, I, I think that's the-, the way things are done here. But I- after preaching, there's usually a good time to respond. Yeah. I think the Lord's going to so- talk to some things in our hearts today. He's, he's really been talking to me. And, uh, and, and I hope that we receive it. But in receiving it, we have to respond. Yes. And respond by faith. Faith without works, without actions, it's not really faith, it's just, it's just hope, actually. But, but faith, with our, when we receive it and we put actions with it, it becomes alive in your life. So I'm praying that we receive it this, this morning, it becomes alive. I want to come in and, again, give honor to your pastor and in, in this, in this great church here. It is a great church. And I, I see so much. I see so much beautiful. Not even just potential. I'm not talking about potential. We don't need to live in the land of potential. I'm just talking about the beautiful things that are actually taking place. I want to tell you here today that um, we come. We we are from the Twin Cities area. I don't like to claim that. Um, my wife actually bought a, a sweatshirt at Walmart with a two one eight on it. I think that's for hopes and dreams. Like one day, Lord, bring us back to the promised land. But at any rate. Um, so, so, but, but I, I will say that what I feel in, in this church, what I feel atmospherically, spiritually, we have to believe that there is a spiritual realm, right? It's not just what we see, that there's a spiritual realm as well. What I feel spiritually is I feel liberty. I feel like there's liberty and there's freedom and that the, ch- the chains don't have locks on them. The doors of the prison are open and we just need to walk out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, if the music would come, we'll just, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing the trees. All right. But I do want to preach, you, preach not at you, but to you here today. And if you'll just join with me. I'm talking about wells, and we read in Genesis about these wells that were being dug, the wells that were stopped up, and why this is such a big deal. In the Bible, during Bible times, wells had more meaning than I think that we could probably relate to today. From a practical sense, wells were a source of water, which in essence is the source of life. It's the source of life. If you see a well, you mark that on your internal GPS because that is where there is life. And life literally would revolve around these sources. The well became synonymous with vibrancy and community. The well is one of the most important structures and the areas in a community. The health and the supply of the well would determine where, whether the community thrived or survived at all. It was all about the well. If you look at the way that most towns are built, um, well, were built a long time ago, there were two things that were built together in the center of the town. There was the government center that was built, the city, city hall or whatever you would want to call it, but really, that was built next to the church. The church used to be the center of the town. Of course, now we see that really changing our world today. It's a reflection of our world. The, the world doesn't really revolve around the church anymore. The world does highly revolve around government, actually, and sadly, in a lot of ways. I'm not trying to get in trouble here. Actually, I don't, I don't have to worry about it. Like. <laughs> but I will say this. The, the well was a gathering place. It was visited daily. It was prized. It was important. People would fight over it. People would die and kill over it. You needed the well to survive. You, and today, that truth is no different. You need the well to survive. Jesus says in John chapter 7 that he talks about the well of water springing up from within, inside of you. That you'll never thirst again. And let me just tell you, just as a minister of this gospel, you need that well of water springing up inside of you every single day. Oftentimes we equate, um, we we do the disservice, and we say that the church is the well. But can I tell you, the church is not the well. Church is a beautiful thing, but let me tell you, the well is intended to be inside of you. So that when you come to church, you're not just barely uh, trying to get your one drink of water for the week. But the Lord wants there to be a well of water, which is the Holy Ghost, by the way, springing up inside of you so that when you go out into this world on the job site and school or wherever you go, that you don't have to be thirsty out there for the Lord. It's a well that's inside of you that actually, he says that you will never be thirsty again. You'll never be thirsty for anything else when you drink of that water because the water that he has for us inside of us, which is the Holy Ghost, you never become thirsty. You, you look at the stuff of this world and you're like, I don't even want that anymore. That's just junk compared to what God has for me. Yeah, Amen. But what the, the way that the well works today in modern society is, in our modern day well, is it's not just about where we get our water from, but it's where does our center of focus and control come from. That's where we get a little bit, we get a little bit off into something else. Where do we get? Where does our control? What, who controls our food? What's the source? What's the source of life? Where does that come from? Where does the source of heat and power and energy all come from? All of this is administered by a power that oversees people, by a power that governs people. And for so many, the well is government. Now, I'm not getting off on this tangent right here today. That's not why I'm coming here today. But I want to tell you. That the government is not your Savior. It's probably not my place to say it. I'm not your pastor, but I'll just, I, I'm just, I have really good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Right. And the government has a lot of things that it can provide, but what it can never provide for you is life. Life more abundantly it can't save you, it can't satisfy you, it can only make you an indentured servant of its uses. That's, that is what it is. I'm not going to get into all that don't worry i 'm not trying to uh, trying to get you to vote for anyone here today, but the reality is this is that the only thing that can save you is Jesus Christ. Yeah. He is our well, and our relationship with God, this is so important. we cannot live for God by. By having the well that is the church that we come to once or twice a week. But let me tell you, you can live for God when you have a well of water springing up inside of your heart, which is the Holy Ghost. And if you're, if you're here and you've never received the Holy Ghost, if you need the Holy Ghost, let me just tell you, you can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You can have that well of water springing up inside of you. And I'll just go a little bit, I don't, I don't know anything, so I'm, I'm just kind of trying to be a little operating the Holy Ghost, but also be ignorant here today. But sometimes our wells, when we live for God long enough, the well can start to get stopped up by earth or by things of this world. And it can start to slow down the flow of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And it, it can try to, it can start to make make it difficult to draw water from that because it gets covered up. Now, let me tell you, when you, if you feel that happening, you say, well, it does, it's not really going so well for me and, and it's kind of like hard right now for me and living for God, just start digging again. Just start digging wells again. Just start digging it up again. And you say, well, I already had that. Now I got to go back. It's not about going backwards and trying to correct the past. Just start digging again and uncover some of those things and, and realize that the refreshing water that God has for you. He's giving you access to it yes. yeah. for a purpose. In the book of Genesis, we're reading here about Isaac and we don't hear much about Isaac's story. We hear a lot about Abraham and we hear um, a good amount about Jacob or Israel and um, we hear a lot, although the, the most that we hear of is the man named Joseph. And I, I won't go into his story. It's a beautiful story. About a third of Genesis is committed to just this man's story, Joseph. But Isaac has such a brief story that sometimes we skip over it. But it's interesting that the phrase that we hear repeated over and over in the Old Testament is that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You cannot simply state the God of Abraham and Jacob Isaac's story has to be included. So he's kind of like the middle child. He kind of just gets forgotten about. How many, I don't know if any of you are middle children. Probably got a couple. Yeah, we got a couple in here that are middle children. You're like, yeah, I've been forgotten about all my life. Well, the Lord hears you, and he's got something here for you. So when we pick up where we pick up Isaac's story, after his father puts him on an altar to sacrifice him, and the Lord stays his hand, like not going to go there, right? But where we pick up Isaac's story, we fast forward, is that we pick it up in a time of famine. A time of famine. This is not a time when you would drive around and you would say, oh, the corn's looking good this year. or The beans are looking good. Like, you wouldn't say that. You don't say that in a time of famine. In a time of famine, there is an extreme scarcity of food. How many of you remember during COVID when, when the world was going crazy? That shelves were empty. You remember those times? That is nothing. That's just craziness in the world. That's not famine. That's nothing compared Famine was something that happened where there was scarcity. You could not find it anywhere. You had to preserve everything that you had and ration it out. And it often happened as a result of drought. Famine was something that happened seemingly, sometimes generationally, and in Genesis chapter 12, earlier on, we read of a famine. And in response to survive this famine, Abraham took his family to Egypt, which was like the center of the world at that time, was the most powerful nation in the world. In the Bible, famine often represents a time of judgment of God where he is reorienting people back to him. It's a means of demonstration that God is still in control despite our own achievements and accomplishment. Sadly, it's our nature to resist God after we have experienced growth and so sometimes the Lord sends things to us to reorient ourselves to Him. And so famine can sometimes find us. And I want to make sure to make a distinction here today. There's a difference between a season of dryness and a famine. I know sometimes we experience dry seasons in our lives. Let me tell you, dryness as a season, is part of God's divine process for growth. The seed cannot grow unless it dries. Try to to harvest corn prematurely and then plant it in the ground. It won't grow. It will just disintegrate. So dryness is a part of God's divine process. But drought and famine is also a form of God's divine process, but it's a different process. It's the process of repentance, of turning and orienting ourselves back to him. I know I need to hurry here this morning, but I just want to make some things just really clear in the sense that you may feel like you're in a dry place in life. And no matter what that dry place is, that is your time to orient yourself to the Lord. Turn yourself to God. Listen and say, Lord, what do you want for me to do? How do you want me to do it? Lord, I I will not do this my way. I think that's a beautiful statement that we need to make within our hearts and our minds and buried down deep within us. Lord, I will not do it my way. Because if we're honest with ourselves, as smart and as clever and as crafty as our way may be, our way always leads us into trouble. You can even be successful doing it your way. But even in that success, that will not do you anything if you've built up all this success, but you're not doing it God's way. In a moment, there's a story, in the, in, in, there's a parable in, in, the, uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where this man says, I've built up, I've, I've become so successful, I've, I, let me build up, tear down my old barns and build up new barns and, and fill up my new barns. And I will say to my soul, have rest, my soul." And in, 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 in one or two verses, he mentions himself seven times. He doesn't mention the Lord at all. He just talks about himself. And the Lord says that a word came to him and said, thou fool, because this day your life is required of you. And all that you centered around was trying to do it. This man had all this success yet. His life was still required. Of him. Right. Had to. We got to do it God's way. And let me tell you, I've tried to do it my way. How many of you have tried to do it your way? And it works out great. It works out great every time? Anybody? Like, it works out so good. Like, I've done it my way. And let me tell you how great and how smart and how clever I am. It's like, no, it never works. It never, maybe like at first it does. And we deceive, we're kind of like deceive. Like, yeah, this is pretty good. I actually think this is going all right. And then not too long after that, trouble finds us. Because we're doing it our own way. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says this. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn for themselves cisterns, which is like a collection system, water collection system. But it says this, they're just broken cisterns that can hold no water. These are people that are saying, I thought I had this figured out, so I took matters into my own hands. And as it turns out, my hands aren't very strong. They're not very capable. All I've dug is broken wells that I can't hold any water with. There's a song that we used to sing, I used to sing growing up. It says, it was, it's called, Something Beautiful, Something Good. All my confusion, Jesus understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. See, God can make things from nothing, but we have to become nothing so that God can make something out of us. We have to say, Lord, I've got got nothing to bring to this. I I don't have my intelligence. I don't have my abilities. I don't have have riches or wealth or position or influence. I don't got anything to bring to this, Lord. But I want you to do something with me. Oh, I wish that that maybe this morning could just be our prayer. God, do something with me. Even in dry seasons, what can God do with you? Even during a famine, can God do something with you? What we find in his word is that even during times of famine, God can still produce something in your life. Amen. Amen. We doing okay this morning? So I'm just a little excited. Because I've seen God's hand at work. Oh, I could... I don't, I'm, I'm trying not to take too much time here this morning, but I could begin to tell you testimonies of people. I, I got a text when I was on my way uh, to church this morning. I got a text from somebody who said, this man that we baptized a few months ago, the guy that got up, we have a baptistry probably similar to yours. And, and he stood up at the baptistry and he started dancing around and jumping around and all this kind of stuff. And it really worried me. Because I thought, here's the next insurance claim. Man slips, hits his head. I mean, hopefully, he's, I mean, he's probably pretty close to heaven because he got baptized and received the Holy Ghost. So I'm like, I mean, now's the time. Now's the time, bro. Go ahead. But, but like, I, I was so worried. And he was, he was, uh, he had severe PTSD, depression, and anxiety. He came out of that water, his mind completely clean. And I'm not telling you to do this. If this is your story, I'm not trying to tell you to do this. But he started tapering off of his medications. I said, Doug, I want you to be careful about this. But he's like, I feel like God's. said, I'm like, just you go talk to your doctor. So if God's helping you, then you just do it with the help of the Lord. But, and he's, he came, he's coming back to church this morning and, and his life is turning around. What, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say somebody who was in a dark, dark place, who had literally nothing to give. Nothing to contribute. God, I got nothing to give you except for me, yeah. except for my obedience. You, you could see nothing really good happening in his life, but when you give yourself to God, when you give yourself completely to him, even in times of dryness or famine, when everything else around you seems like it's just not working out, and you go, Lord, what am I going to do? He has a very specific word for you, and he's going to help you and guide you. Let's not try to dig our own things and do our own things, but let's turn to Him. So I have some questions, and as as I'm going to start to try to wrap this up here this morning, I have some questions here for us today. Do you ever feel like you're in a dry place? Anybody ever? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, but you you can if you want. That's me. Pick me. Do you ever feel like you're in a dry place? you ever feel like you're in a famine? Personal, spiritual famine? I ask you today, and could it, could it just be that the Lord sent this long-winded preacher from the Twin Cities to come to you because God's maybe trying to get your attention? Psalm 63 and 1 says, O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts not for my problems to be fixed, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs not for all of the solutions, but it longs for you in a dry, thirsty land where there is no water in Isaac's story in his personal famine we find that Isaac and I'll hurry through this here today but we find that Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines and they lived near the sea and so Isaac's family tradition in the time of famine was to go to Egypt that was their tradition that's what, they were, that's what he knew to do In the time of famine, we go to Egypt. But God told him something specifically different. Do not go to Egypt. Live in the land that I will tell you. He's saying, don't do what your father did. I want to be clear about some things. What his father did was good and it was right. It was obedient to the Lord. But God is designing something distinctly different for you. And I know that previous generations, they came in and they did what they felt God was telling them to do. And frankly, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for previous generations. However, God is not telling you to simply do what they did. God has something very specific just for you. Just for you. God has a very, in in times of dryness or famine or difficulty. I know our elders in the previous generations and people that have done it right, they did a good job. But the Lord is saying, I don't want you to just mimic them or copy them. Trust the Lord. He has something very beautiful and distinct for you. In your season that you're in. So thank God for the Abrahams in the previous generations. Were they perfect? No, they weren't perfect. But thank God that they, they, they set the precedent by being obedient to the Lord. But the point is being brought to you today. And this is why, I believe this is why the Lord has sent me here today. Is just to talk to you about this last thing. The Lord, I think the point is being brought to you today. Don't follow in the footsteps down to Egypt when he wants to bless you right where you're at. God's telling you to not listen for God's voice or God's words through Abraham's voice. Don't listen for God's words from from exterior voices that say, well, if you just do it this way, this is how we're going to do it. But God has a personal revelation and direction for you in your life that he wants to give to you. Proverbs 5 and 15 says this. It says, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. This speaks to a personalization that it's yours. It's not someone else's. And when you read the story of Isaac... He kept digging up Abraham's wells, but it wasn't good enough. He kept digging up where things were at and, and digging up old things. That's a beautiful, I'm glad that he did that, but the Lord did not allow him to settle there. He wanted to re, the Lord wants to reveal himself to you in a very personal way to you. So he says to him, and this is where I'm closing here this morning. He says, dwell in this land. In John chapter 4 and 13, we read of Jesus at another well with a a woman who was there, a Samaritan woman. And he says this, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So the Lord is trying to get our attention, I believe, and say, look, in the time of famine, in the time of dryness, there is a well of water that he wants to give you personally in your life. If you've experienced, I'm going to wander around. I do this at home all the time, so I'm just going to make myself comfortable. Don't worry, I won't make you do anything weird. Um, maybe. No, <laughs> I won't. But I just want to be real with us today. God is so personal. And he does not, he does not pursue after formula. He doesn't pursue after religion. He pursues those that are hungry for. There's, there's in, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is is working with people and there's all these miracles that are happening and taking place. And, and He goes away in a mountain to pray for a while. And as he goes away in a mountain to pray for a while, the very next chapter in Mark chapter 5 says that he leaves this place where people are being healed and delivered and awesome things are happening. He leaves that place, gets on a boat with his disciples, travels across the sea to a Gentile town where he didn't. He, he said, I'm not supposed to... I'm not ministering to the the Gentiles. I'm ministering to the lost house of Israel. He goes all that way to a Gentile town for one man who was, the Bible says, was possessed of a legion of demons. He goes on a boat boat across this entire sea, rebukes the winds and the waves. By the way, there was a big storm fraud. He rebukes the winds and the waves and the storm. and He makes that travel all the way across for just one person. He leaves... All of the revival and the healings and the miracles and all that stuff, he goes, and he, and he gets all his disciples together and he says, Let's make a journey just for one person. Why? Because he cares about you. Right. The Bible says, Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. This is just me this morning, but I, I've spent a lot of time on water. Um, your pastor and I—we've been up to the Boundary Waters a little bit, and there be times in the middle of the night when the when the water is like glass across the water, across the lake, and these are these big lakes, and you see a fire way off on the other side of the lake, and if you listen, you can hear people's conversations across the lake. anybody ever experienced that? When you're just there, you hear conversations. Now, this is just me this morning. This is, not, this is not like the gospel of Mark. This is the gospel of Nathan Kirk, which is not a great guy. You know, Paul says, if there's any other gospel, so like, don't, don't take this as gospel, but this is just me here today. I believe, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus, when he was up on that hill in Mark chapter 5, when he was up on the mountain and he was praying, and at night came, I believe that he heard this man's cries across that water. And he said, enough is enough. I'm going to cross over and I'm going to have him. That's just what I believe. Regardless whether he heard it physically with his ears or just a man, Christ Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, heard the cries of this man uh, on the other side of the sea, whatever it is, he stops everything for one person. You'll find so many times in the Gospels where Jesus puts everything on hold for a man, for a woman who had an issue of blood who just came to him, touched the hem of his garment, for a man, Jairus, whose daughter was Dying and actually dying at that moment. He came to the house and rose up from there. He, he stops processions. He, he found Zacchaeus in a tree and stopped everybody else just for Zacchaeus over and over again. Why? Because God cares about you. He cares about what's going on in your life. And he has something very personal just designed for you. And Abraham may have done a good job and done it right when he went to Egypt, but the Lord's trying to tell somebody else here today, don't do it like they did it before, just because it worked for them. I have something special, uniquely designed for you. If you'll obey and if you'll follow. I want to be clear here today. There are some things that are not negotiable, which is salvation. We follow him. We, we, we follow him in, in baptism. Oh, we have to be baptized in Jesus' name. There's some things we have to repent of our sins. That, that's non-negotiable. I must be filled with the Holy Ghost. I can't negotiate that away from the Lord and say, well, Lord, that's not my path. That's, like, I want all of those things in my life anyway. I want to turn from my ways in repentance and walk towards God. I I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. And now I've got his name covering my life. And it's a covering over all of my sins and my past. It's all washed away. And now I have his name. I want that in my life. And I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost because it's God living inside of me. Causing life to come up. And he's journeying with us every step of the way. Oh, I want those things. But can I tell you? God has something very specifically designed for your life that He wants to bring to you, I believe, today and help you with today. So as I'm I'm trying to wrap up here, I know I've already said it, it doesn't matter. But I want to wrap up with this last thought. The Bible says that the Lord said to Isaac in verse number three of Genesis chapter number twenty-six. He says, Dwell in this land. He was instructed. Stay put. Don't follow Abraham's footsteps just because it worked for him. Don't dig his wells just because it worked for him. You can drink from them for a little while, but those are not the sources that God has destined for you. And then in verse number 12, this is such a profound verse, and it's kind of crazy, actually, when you think about it. In a time of famine, Isaac started planting seeds. I'm not real smart, but I grew up in a farming community and I know that you have your corn that you eat and you have your seed corn and you save that for the next year. In a famine, nobody's saving seed corn to to eat or, or to uh yeah to to plant the next year. They're rationing it so, what, so they can find what are we going to eat. Because that's what makes sense. Isaac, on the word of the Lord, started planting what was supposed to be on their table for them to eat, started taking it and putting it in the ground. You can imagine, that looks pretty foolish during a famine. You can imagine, that seems pretty counterculture. Like, what are you doing, Isaac? You're sentencing everybody to death by throwing away all of your food during a famine. But what we find is because of his obedience to the Lord, or let me just put it this way, because he bucked tradition. And I'm not hating on tradition. There are some tra- there's some tradition that's beautiful and good. So I'm not hating on that. But I'm saying that there are some generational or there are some traditions that we get stuck in in life that we say, you know what? I don't don't need to do it that way. I need to do it God's way. And so he bucked tradition and during a famine, he started planting. And in a famine, when the seed is life and it's your food and that's all you're going to have to eat for the foreseeable future, instead of hoarding it through self-preservation, by faith, he followed God and started planting. He planted the seed that everyone else figured would die because of famine. But by faith, he obeyed God and he took survival out of his own hands. He placed it in the dirt all the word of God. I don't know if anything's going on with anybody, but I feel led to just stop right here and say something, and it is this. If the Lord has been working with you and dealing with you about letting some things go that you've been holding on to because you think you have to hold on to it for survival, the longer you hold this, the longer you delay the work that God can do in your life. Let it go. Trust the Lord. And You, and you look at me, you're like, well, that's easy for you to say. It is easy for me to say, because I'm not living your life. I don't know. But can I tell you, I'm not telling you my testimony to compare scars or anything like that, but can I tell you this principle is so beautiful and valuable and good and true that don't hoard it through self-preservation, even the hardest things that you've got to let go of. Don't, don't hold on to it to try to preserve yourself and to say, well, God, I'll give you everything else, but let me hold on to this. Let, it, let him have it all. Let him have it all. Even the ugliness. Let me just tell you here today, even the ugliness. Don't we talk about giving God our best? Give him your worst too. Give him give him the stuff that you say, God, I'll give you my good stuff, but I don't wanna I don't wanna give you all this because this is too ugly. He already knows about it. And his blood wants to wash it clean and, and help you and, and to put all that stuff behind you so that even the enemy can't bring it up against you in your life. Oh, come on. Hmm. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. And God is revealing something in us, I think, in us through the story. And he's saying, if you just give it to me, if you just give it to me, even in a time in the time is coming here. In, in, let me just say this to Fergus United. There's a time coming here in this church where you're fitting in to this community or, or the way that it kind of fits in. Where does Fergus United fit in with this community will be put to the test as you begin to prosper. Just like Isaac and, and all of his They were fitting in with Philistine and Gerar for a little bit. But when they begin to prosper, all of a sudden the Philistines said, "Well, we don't want you as a part of this anymore. Let me just share this with you here this morning. That there's a time to fit in and say, well, let's just figure this out. But as you begin to prosper, the community around might say, "Mm, I don't know if I like what's going on over there at Fergus United. Don't be tempted to just fit in. Because you'll be in the family with everybody else, while all of a sudden the the the. The beautiful produce from God and the life and the blessings from the Lord is springing up in the work that God is doing. And everywhere else is stuck in a famine. Don't try to fit in. Fitting in never saved you anyway. Stand out. The Bible says to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Let's just get out from this world because it's not doing you any favors anyway. And say, God, if you want to do something with me, then I've given you everything I've got. Go ahead and just do it. I'll settle in the land that you give me. But I will not compromise one bit. Yes. Amen. And so let's do this to give you hope. Let's stand here this afternoon. Hope that I'm done. <laughs> I, f- I feel that the Lord is I, He's just moving our hearts and our lives here today. So let's just be ready to respond to Him. It's easy to see this. I think in our own lives, when we become fine with settling in. And Isaac even had that temptation. He dug again the wells. No matter the pain or the cost, he just dug them again. Then as he began to expand and go into other places, he dug a well and, all, and he found water but with that water, all that he found with it was quarrel. What the enemy would like more than anything is that when you begin to advance in your walk with the Lord, get closer to him. Anybody have this when you make commitments to the Lord and all of a sudden stuff just starts happening in your life? Yeah. Now it just happens to me. You're like, right? like does, anybody, does that happen to anybody? Like, you say, Lord, I'm going to step out by faith. I'm going to start making some commitments to you and all of a sudden stuff just starts happening. Stuff starts falling apart. There's arguments. There's quarreling. Stuff just starts coming up all over the place. Why does that happen? Because the enemy sees the, the potential and he realizes what could happen. So he wants to busy you with the quarrel. And Isaac just said, God, give me a promise. He's going to take care of me. I'm not putting up with this. And he moved to the next place. And the next place, when he went there and he began to dug, he found water again. Praise God, we found water again. It's great. But the enemy came in again, and there was enmity, more fighting and enmity. It was in, in such a severe opposition, not just resistance. You're always going to have resistance, but this was severe op, op, um, obstruction and hostility. Opposition. So he said, okay, we'll move on to the next place. Finally last place that they dug. They they didn't compromise for previous wells. They didn't compromise. Well, I guess we'll just have to put up with this fighting. They just said, we're just going to keep going until God settles us in. Finally, finally, they found the place where they called Rehoboth. Which means God has found a place. He's, He's found a place for us to thrive. But it's all because... He did not compromise. It's settling in the land that God has given you, but not compromising one bit. Not compromising with the world, yep. Yeah. Not compromising with the enemy, yep, yeah, for sure. But let me just say this as I'm wrapping up here this morning. Not compromising with ourself. Our own comfort our own ability to say, I think this is as far as I can go. I might as well just make this my lot in life. Let me tell, I felt led to say this this morning. So I want to be really clear about something. The Lord is not setting you up to fail. You know this? God's not setting you up to fail. He has not brought you this far only to say, well, good luck. I hope everything works out with you. Hope to see you on the other side. No, no, no. God is, God is, uniquely working strategically in your life and we get to a place in the crossroads even in dry seasons where we have to say Lord I think I know what to do on my own but I've got to give that up and whatever Lord whatever you want me to do whatever you want me to do I am completely open to you you say the word and my answer to you it's not how, it's not when or why, it's yes. It's simply yes. So I wonder if we could do this this morning. Is this all right if I move forward? Okay, can we, can we all just come on up? I'm not going to make you do anything weird, don't worry about it. Um, can we all just come on up? I just, we're going to pray together. I'm, I'm going to give us something just specifically to pray for. like for us to pray together here this morning. Amen. The book of
0: Nehemiah. Hey folks, Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not, and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org. Send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.